let's dive into the message. Turn your bulletin over to the back page and follow along. We're talking this weekend about striving to be last. <laughs> now, I, I would venture to say that nobody has ever said, you should really go for last place. That's just not American, right? Because we are so competitive and we are about this. How many of you actually have one of these? Yeah. Say it with me. We're number one. We're <laughs> talking about the Broncos, of course. Uh, when, when you see this, you automatically have these feelings of, you know, someone thinks they're number one. It's a statement. And yet, when we come to the kingdom of God, we have this pressure to throw this down and to say we're not striving to be number one. We're striving to be obedient. What is that about? How weird is it to be in this culture with that idea? Jesus is about to say to his disciples, the greatest is going to be last. The first will be last. If you want to be the greatest, be the servant. <laughs> I mean, that's just not what we're wired to do, right? You know, I remember I grew up on the West Slope in a little town called Grand Junction. And uh, it's a wonderful, it was a wonderful place to grow up. And we had what was called OTA, Old Timers Association Baseball. And it was a group of men in the community who put some money together, who allowed 10 teams to form with little boys. And I mean, I was like third grade the first time I, I went out for OTA. And they, oh, we got uniforms. Boy, that was cool. I felt so cool in that uniform. I put that on. I'd just stand and look in the mirror. Just, just get out on the field. And they had this, this like huge golf tee. It's called T-ball. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You set the baseball on top of it. <laughs> and then you step back and you close your eyes and you just pray to God you hit it. Right? <laughs> That's all it was. You just swing and three strikes you're out if you don't get it. But typically you could get it. And you run. Well, I remember at the end of that season being so excited for the awards ceremony. And I came. My parents came. We took fourth place out of ten teams. So it wasn't too bad. They gave trophies and ribbons to the first place team. They gave trophies and ribbons to the second place team. They gave trophies and ribbons to the third place team. And I'm just feeling really good about to stand up. And they said, we only give trophies and ribbons for the top three. And I remember being so ticked. Matter of fact, I think that has caused me to become what I am today. In, in, in huge issue. And our coach pulled us aside and he said, if you want to get a ribbon and get a trophy, then you have to get better. You have to earn it because trophies are only given for the top three. Next year we came back in second. <laughs> and see, we live in a culture today where everybody gets a ribbon. It doesn't matter. Participation. You don't even have to swing a bat and you get a trophy. What's with that? I think that is ridiculous. Bunch of losers with trophies. <laughs> I'm actually kidding. I know. We want little Johnny to feel good. Good job, honey. Here's your trophy. Now, I, I get that. But in some ways, that model that we have now with our kids is, is more like the kingdom of God because participation is all that's required. Think about that. When I sign on with God, God says, I want you to have my best, my empowerment, my spirit. 
and I'm going to utilize your gifts. I made you in the image of God. You have stuff I can use. I can spend you if you will surrender your life. We sang it. What a great song. I surrender what? All. It's huge. So let's look at this story, and I want you to just really, really think about what Jesus is trying to do. It starts out with Jesus trying to explain to them that he was going to die, but they did not get it. And this is typical when Jesus puts a, a something in our heart that we, even though it's clear, we don't get it. So let's read. The first point in your outline is this. The Lord does try to speak to us, speak truth to us, um, I think every day. I think there is a constant conversation going on with God every day of my life. Now, I'm not always stopping saying, yes, Lord, tell me more, help me. But I know in my mind, I'm communicating with God. I'm discerning things. I'm seeing, I'm trying to let my senses, I'm trying to be led. The Bible talks about being led by the Spirit. What does that mean? It's not some spooky thing, but it also says pray without ceasing. What is that? That means that I have the ability the way God wired us to have constant communication with God, my creator. So keeping that in mind, let's read this. Mark chapter 9, verse 30. Leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Now, important sentence next. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there. Why? Anybody remember why? Too many crowds. We've been talking about this in Mark. He's constantly trying to train his disciples. Every time he tries to take them away to teach them something, a thousand people plus show up, and he's healing people and touching people. So he, it says in verse 31, he wanted to spend more time with his disciples to teach them. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. How many of you so far think that's fairly clear? Just give me a wave. They knew he was the son of man. So he's saying, I'm going to be betrayed into the hands of enemies. He will be killed. Is that clear? But three days later, he will rise from the dead. Is that clear? That's clear, but it's odd, right? Like if I'm there, I'm going, you're going to be killed, but raised from the dead. I'm not sure I get that. Or is this a story you're trying to tell us? Is there a, a hidden meaning? Because he's been talking in parables. But he was pretty clear. Then verse 32, they didn't understand what he was saying. However, they were afraid to ask him what he meant. That's a pretty big deal because there are times in my life I have to know that God is talking to me. I have to know he wants to communicate his truth to me. Do you ever run through the warning signs of God? Do you ever, do you ever feel like he's, you look back and you go, he tried to stop me there, but I didn't listen. I just had to do it my way. I just had to run through the boundary. And you're paying the consequence or the price for it right now. God's talking to you. Listen to what he says. Pay attention to that still small voice in your spirit. Pray about things. I encourage you to learn how to discern the voice of God and understand when he is speaking to you. Sometimes God does say things to me and I just don't understand it. And it's up to me to stop and get clarity before I move on. So that's how this thing starts, and then it gets into the best part of the story, I think. Number two in your outline. We waste our effort trying to be number one. It's a huge waste of energy trying to reach that place where we're good old number one, where we're above everybody else. And you see it here in the disciples, verse 33. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house... 
This is hilarious. Jesus asked his disciples, what were you guys talking about on the road back there? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. <laughs> Jesus has his little entourage here. He's got his little army, and they're all, you know, staging. And I'd love to have heard the debate. Like, like I, I think I'm really number one after Jesus because of this. Well, I think I am because of this. Well, I've healed more people than you. Yeah, but I was part of the transfiguration. Yeah, but I saw this. Yeah, I can just, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. They're jockeying for positions, and Jesus knows this, and so I think he's got a little smile, and he's saying, so, sounded like a nice conversation back there. What was all that about? <laughs> and they're like, shh, nothing. Oh, nothing. Nothing, Lord, really, just talking about the weather. Nice day, isn't it? Um, Jesus called them out on it because he wanted them to feel that feeling of, why, am, why are we talking about this? Have you, ever, have you ever been embarrassed about your behavior when you look back on it? Or you kind of go, man, what was I, why was I, why did I say that? What was I thinking? Why, why did I posture myself to do that or be that? I can always tell, I can always tell there are times that reveal truth about me, about you, about us, and I don't know what gauges you have, but I encourage you to find some. Um, one of the things that I use in my life constantly to see where I am with pride, with arrogance, with trying to be number one is, is in my driving. Anybody else relate to this? It's, it's just amazing what happens because when I get a little tired and I'm in a hurry, you know, I just, it's like, don't they know that I do own this road? Anyone else feel that way? Or especially you get behind someone that doesn't even go the speed limit. I mean, th that's a sin. You're supposed to go the speed. Some people say, well, maybe they're elderly. Maybe they can't see. Maybe they have. Well, then don't drive. <laughs> Take a bus. Get out of our way. <laughs> see, that's that arrogance. That's that thing that says, I got to get somewhere. And what's really frustrating is you kind of weave and bob and you get out there and then you go to that red light and they all catch up to you. <laughs> and they're kind of looking at you like, <laughs> idiot. So I stopped doing that. I really have. And, and now I try to gauge my patience based on, you know, just wanting to serve. So find the slowest person, get behind them, watch them, turn up the music, relax, enjoy God. It is torture. <laughs> this sheer torture. I'd rather have a hysterectomy, and I can't even do that. <laughs> it's really hard. But that, what happens is... When you are confronted, when you are confronted with those behaviors that are not God-honoring, man, all kinds of stuff happens. These guys were embarrassed. They're like, we really did that? Lord, sorry about that. You know, I love, I love Dick Fof. He's such a great man. And, and I think I told you this a couple of years ago, but we were coming out of our pastor's meeting, and it's a conference room back here in the church. <laughs> he opens the door, and everyone's filing out, and he's just standing there smiling, holding the door for everybody. And I said, Foth, you are such a servant. Way to go. And he's got that big smile and cocked his head and said, well, if you're going to serve, you might as well do it in a place people can see you. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he was kidding, of course. But it was just really funny. See, our efforts should be going into simply obeying God. 
not trying to serve so we can be seen or noticed. These, these disciples had real reason. They were, they were, remember, who was the power in Jesus' day? The government power. Rome. And, and they were used to authority. And Jesus is the Messiah, and he's going to set up his kingdom. He's already talked about that. So what are they doing? They're going military on him. They're saying, well, then you're going to need some generals. And so I, I'll take that job. I'll sit on your right. He'll sit on your left. And, and we'll take this place. So in some ways, they were getting it honestly. They wanted to overthrow the Roman Empire. They're saying, Jesus, bring your kingdom to the earth. We'll help you. We'll storm the gates. We'll do whatever. And Jesus is trying to say, no, that's not the plan. Listen to me. I'm going to die. That doesn't compute. Number three, then what is the pecking order in kingdom language? What is the pecking order in, like, kingdom stuff? Because, you know, all of us have this need to know where we are. It's a comparison game. It's a, a sociological issue, and it's a challenge. But, you know, animals certainly have this. You look at Nat Geo Wild, watch the lions, and, man, there's a king, you know. Uh, ants, horses have a pecking order. How do they get that pecking order? How do they know who's number one? <laughs> Fighting. Fighting, and some of them die in the fight. Um, reminds me of some churches, but not most, okay? So I'm glad that's not the Bible way, aren't you? Okay, it's not about king of the hill here. It's truly a theocracy. God is first. And let's look at what happens when, when they start addressing this. Jesus sits them down. He sat down, verse 35. He called the 12 disciples over to him. It's almost like a huddle. It's like, come here, guys. Gather around. Everybody just sit down here. I think he sits them down with him. Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. <laughs> In light of their recent conversation, there's a few of them feeling really stupid. They're embarrassed. They're humiliated because these are not the words that they are expecting. They want to be noticed. Um, servanthood is not a place where people are noticed. Um, matter of fact, this is an interesting quote. You know if you really are a servant by how you respond when you're treated like one. Now, we should never treat anybody like a servant. We should be thankful and humbled that someone would serve us. But when you serve, it isn't to be noticed. Matter of fact, if it's to get anything out of it, you're not really serving. You want something from it. That's not servanthood. Serving is doing an act of love out of your love for God to help someone else. Whether they see it or not. Whether they know it or not. It's a heart condition. It's an attitude thing. And I, I really believe that Jesus wanted to get this in their heads and hearts. And, and it's powerful what happens in this next point because he uses this analogy. Number four in your outline is, um, why did Jesus use the analogy of a child? A lot of things happen because of this. And, and I want you to notice the connection between the child and the servanthood idea. In verse 36, it says this. Then he put a little child among them, taking the child in his arms. So he's in, they're sitting down, Jesus is sitting down, and Jesus finds this kid, pulls him close, brings him into his arm, and he says, anyone who welcomes a little child like this one, 
like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. Now, this would be almost like turning another cart upside down for the disciples. Now, you're not going to like this part because it's a reflection of the, of the culture in the day and age in which Jesus lived, and it's sad. But they did not treat children like we do. They did not adore them. As a matter of fact, in Aramaic, the same word for child is the word for servant. When they had kids, those kids worked. They served in the home. And the desire was, you will one day take care of me when I'm old, so get used to it now. A child, like I was, I was a few days ago, I was with someone and they just had a new grandbaby and it's like, pull out the phone and it's just like, here's them slobbering, here's them coughing, here's them, right, right? How many of you have pictures of your grandkids with you right now? Raise your hand. Okay, I do not want to see them. <laughs> kidding. I'm going to be the worst. I know I am when I'm a grandpa. I'm kidding about that. It was actually fun. But the idea is we adore our kids. Well, in this culture, it wasn't like that. And so for Jesus to take a servant like a child who its purpose would be to serve adults and learn how to do it young and say, welcome a servant, a child like this. Anyone who welcomes someone in this caste system, anyone who welcomes someone in this place of life is welcoming me. So the disciples have to be flipping out right now. Their discussion is wrong. They're not going to be number one. They're not going to be sitting on the right and left. The greatest is going to be the servant. And good grief, I've got to love children. It's a lot. It's a lot in this text that until you unpack it, you don't realize how much they're trying to digest. And I think for you and me, the takeaways can simply be, will I be willing to adjust my socioeconomic systems to love everybody, to cross the lines that I've had in my life forever, to love someone who doesn't share my belief system, to serve someone who might really not appreciate what I do or what I can do or my gifts or my talents. The kingdom of God doesn't have those boundaries. Jesus was here to serve, to seek, and to save. That's what we do. Boy, I'll tell you, you see the opposite come out when it comes to politics right now. It's scary. And I just ask you the question, examine where you are. Examine your heart. Examine who you want to be and what Jesus would be if he was walking on this earth today in loving people, in caring for them, in helping us navigate through issues that are very, very challenging. Number five, this gets kind of interesting. Are you the police of kingdom stuff? Something's going to happen in the story right now that, <laughs> that Jesus has to kind of stop him again and say, you did it wrong again. This is like got to be getting old for the disciples. But correction is needed for all of us. Verse 38, John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons. We told him to stop because he wasn't in our group Okay, you get this, you see what's happening? They weren't even one of the 12. They didn't even have the T-shirt with the logo on it. I mean, that's what he's saying. saying they are not identified as the important few. You've chosen us, we follow, this is our job. And we caught someone doing something that you haven't asked them to do, and we put a stop to it right now. Man, can't you just see how this gets really sad? Can you see how we do this in our culture? 
when we become the police of kingdom stuff and it's beyond what we know, it's bigger than what we can even experience, and yet we start saying, no, 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 yes, yes, no, no, no. And we start thinking that our opinion is the best and that we, and I just, I don't know, you guys. It's a challenge. I don't know what the answer is. I just know Jesus. Well, let's just see what he says. Verse 39. Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. Now there's a concept. If anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. Man, I think I have frustrated God before. Do you think you've ever frustrated God? I think I have. Because sometimes I get it in my head how it should be, and I go for those ideals, and maybe I don't have the should be right. These guys didn't. They, they thought they were doing something good, but it ends up Jesus has to rebuke them and say, don't do that anymore. We've got to find that balance between hearing from God, trusting him, and not being selfishly centered on our little agendas. It's so important, you guys, for us to partner with other churches in our community. It's, it's one of the things you do so well. Can I, I'm really proud of you. I feel like I don't think this is a prideful thing about you. It's a humbling thing about you. When, when people ask me what I do in this city and I'm able to say, hey, I get to be a part of the pastoral team at Timberline Church, 99% of the time, you know what their response is? Their response is, wow, that, that church is amazing. And then they have a story of how someone helped them. A guy I talked to just a few weeks ago said, they came out and fixed my grandma's fence. She's old and couldn't do it. And I'm thinking, why didn't you do it? Um, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, if you're here right now, I didn't mean that. I'm kidding. I get in trouble all the time. I've been preaching a few weeks, so I'm rusty. I, I've got to pay attention. Um, no, he was so sincere and so grateful. And the serve 6.8, what you guys are doing and where you're going. And you're giving up Saturdays and time and evenings to go help people. And it's, it's just about being the first. The servants are leading the way. Can we be that? Can we be a church that says we will serve our way through our community? We will serve our way through the hate, through the challenges. We will serve our way to the top. <laughs> and it will give us a platform that no one else has. Because when you fight your way to the top, you have to keep fighting to get there and to stay there. But when you serve your way, you're invited to the table. And that's what God wants for his church and for his kids. Wow. I, uh, I love the fact that Jesus says, give a cup of water in my name and that's enough. Is that cool to you? Because that's about the easiest thing in this culture he could have ever thought of. When I think about blessing somebody, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna invite you over to my house. We're gonna grill out in the backyard. I'm gonna buy some big steaks. I'm, gonna, I'm even gonna splurge because you deserve it. And I'm gonna buy some shrimp. Now, how many of you like shrimp fried on the grill? I just think that is the food of heaven when we get there someday. But anyway, I'm thinking if I want to bless you, I need to go all out and it's work and it's clean the house and it's do this and it's prepare and it's let's, get, let's, really, let's really show you how much you mean. No, that isn't what Jesus said. Jesus is saying a cup of water is enough. 
Why don't we do that? We don't often do the whole China cookout dinner because it's so much work. It's so big. Listen, some people in this church have sold their house and moved to a foreign country and God's called them to do it. But most of the time in the daily grind, it's about you and me saying, could I get you a cup of water? Could I open this door for you out of the grocery store? How can I help you? That's it. If we do that, and we do it over and over and over, it changes the world because we are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's be that. Let's do that. Okay, I, I gotta wrap this up. There's, there's a little action plan I put down here that uh, has four things on it, and it's just kind of a way for you to gauge some action steps this week. Number one, I'm gonna ask you to find a place to serve if you're not already. And, and this may not be at Timberline Church. It may be at Timberline. If you're not currently serving here and you'd like to, we have tons of opportunities. Someone said to me the other day, well, you probably don't need anybody in this area. This is a big church, a lot of people. I'm like, are you kidding me? We need, we need more people all the time in ministries. Don't assume stuff. Go talk to Serving Central. Uh, find a place to serve in our community. Hospitals have volunteer places. Schools have places for volunteers. It's just a matter that we... We have a platform of serving our community and making a difference. Where are you serving? Could you legitimately write down right now where you serve? I would like for you to be able to do that. Um, I, hope, I hope you will. Number two is compliment and speak well of others for doing good things. Why is it that one of the easiest things we could do, saying good job to somebody, becomes one of the most difficult things? Even if they're paid to do it. If you have a coworker and you say, well, they're paid to do it. Why would I say thanks when they're paid to do it? A lot of people have that mentality. Well, how about we break that mentality and appreciate people who have skills that maybe we don't have and say thank you for a job well done. And I love what Jeff said a few years back. Let's find someone doing something right around here and tell them about it. Tell them thank you for it. And I, I appreciate that spirit, that honesty, that heart. Let's write someone a note this week. Do something little for someone. Let them know you're thinking about them. It's just those little things. One little compliment. I don't mean being fakey and, you know, but one little compliment in someone that you notice, it can stay with them all day long. It could change their day. Number three, examine pride and humility in your life. Now, when I wrote this down, <laughs> I started asking my next logical step is how am I going to do that? So the driving thing is, is one of the things I wrote down for me. Is monitor how you're driving. If you're, are you serving? Are you a good driver? Are you all of that? Um, and then maybe there's another person in my life that I should invite to say, how do you view me? How do you see me? Is it always my opinion that has to win? Am I stubborn in areas I don't need to be stubborn in? Is it for principle, character, or am I just stubborn because I'm being an idiot at the moment? You know, and... Uh, so, Bonnie, tell me. And you might not want to ask your spouse. Depends on, you know, if they've already told you and you haven't listened, it probably wouldn't help, you know. But, but who is someone in your life that could help you? When does pride get into your life? When does arrogance, uh, when is it triggered that it's a red flag and you don't even see it in yourself? Because I don't think arrogant people know they're arrogant. That's, that, that, that's what arrogance is. So just examine your heart today. Think about it. Um, and then... And then number four is offer a cup of water in Christ's name. Find a way to just do the simple things today, tomorrow. You know, maybe you give someone else the remote control for an hour to your TV. No, let's not take it that far. Um, 
I think of our volunteers at Timberline, and I'm going to just say, I think of our musicians today who led us in worship who are volunteers. They have rehearsals. They practice. They sit down. They have meetings for set lists. They pray. They give their, they give their all to this so that we can have moments where the presence of God is felt in our family here in our living room. I think of media and sound who are behind the walls. You don't know their faces. They're up there right now pushing buttons, turning knobs. They could make this a horrible experience. I have a friend, Stan Russell, who passes the church in Portland, who one day, we could never do this here because of multiple services and everything. He had about 10 chairs set in the middle of the auditorium, and all the other chairs were stacked along the wall when people were walking in for Sunday morning church. There was no sound. There was no media. There was no anything. And he said, yeah, grab a chair. Yeah, come on in. And everybody's looking around like, what? And so they're getting a chair, and it's all, there's no rows. It's just people are all around are getting chairs, and it's horrible. And, and, and then he says, does someone, can you hear me? <laughs> and it's this idea of think of the stuff that's happening right now that we just assume it's always going to be that way. Well, someone set these chairs up. Someone helped us do this. Someone mowed the grass. And, and we have a lot of volunteers here who do these things. Group leaders, small group leaders, ushers, greeters, home ministry, teachers, baristas in the cafe. They volunteer. Um, guest services. I could go on and on anyway. I think of how many of you volunteer in hospitals and schools. Thank you. It makes a difference. We all just wrap this up with one little story. We have a, a family in our church, Sean and Lee Fisher, great people. They had a son who's done this in the past, but they have a daughter named Emma. Emma had a birthday, and uh, she decided instead of getting gifts, she would ask people if they would consider just giving the amount they would have bought a gift for because she had something in mind to do with the money. She had her birthday party, and she raised $750 and gave it all to Missions, You Count Campaign, Anti-Human Trafficking here through Timberline. And she's 11. She's 11 years old. She's 11. Bonnie came home and there's tears in her eyes. And she said, you won't believe what this little 11-year-old girl, Emma, did. And I'm telling you, that's servanthood. That's saying, I don't have to be number one. I know who number one is, and it's God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are everything to us. Thank you that you know, that you care, that you help us, that you encourage us. Thank you, God, that you will confront us when we need to, like you did your disciples. Help us to get these things right. I pray that, Lord, in your name. We trust you in this way. I want to pray for several things. If you wouldn't mind keeping your heads bowed for a moment and just go into a prayerful tone of, Lord, show me who I am. Show me the reality of how I'm living. Young and old, doesn't matter what your age is. If you're single today, if you're married today, if you're 10 or under, I believe the Holy Spirit can prompt you. If you're 80 plus, boy, God has a plan for your life. How many of you would be honest enough to say, I feel a prompting from the Spirit to humble myself. Maybe you've lived for you a little too long. There's nothing wrong with self-helps and, and getting your life in a good place. There's nothing wrong with having a good job and making a decent living. And all that's great. It's honorable. But if your life is totally about you, I think the Holy Spirit is going to tell you that right now, that maybe you, you really need to humble yourself and say, I need to volunteer again. I need to step out again. Um, 
I need to humble myself. My attitude sometimes kicks me back to that default of being number one. This is a really hard one to raise your hand to. And so it's not for me. But if you know you need to respond to that, just to break that, just to start kind of breaking that today, would you raise your hand now, please? You can put them right back down. God bless you. It's a great, a great thing to do. Just acknowledgement. Lord, thank you for these. It's hard to do that, but I know you're talking to hearts. This is the Spirit working in hearts in this room. Thank you for, for this moment with family where we can talk about hard stuff like this. Secondly, how many of you would say, this is practical for me. I, need to, I just need to find a place to serve. And you have something in mind or you're going you're gonna to seek that out, be it here at Timberline or somewhere, where you can, you can serve and break the back of that consumerism uh, mentality. Raise your hand if you know that's you and the Spirit's talking to you. God bless you. Thank you so much, guys. Lord, give strength now. Give clarity about where, when, how much time they can give. Let it be realistic. Let it just be a smooth start. And it might just be offering that cup of water one time in the week where it's significant and it's thoughtful. I just pray for that, Lord. We, we need you. Lastly, I'm going to just pray for those of you who need to accept Christ. You, you know there's sin in your life. You feel guilty. It's confusing, and you need to ask God to forgive you for that sin. It can be an addiction. It can be something you know. It's breaking you down. But the Lord is here today. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is strong in this room today. It has been all morning. And I believe He's talking to you. And if you know you would like to make peace with God and say, I believe God died for me through His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to be a follower of Him and I need forgiveness of sin, would you just raise your hand to him right now? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anyone else to thank you? God bless you. Wow. Church, just pray with me. You guys who raised your hands, just pray this prayer from your heart. It doesn't even have to be my exact words, but it has to be felt, it has to be real, and it has to be in faith which is why you raised your hand, because you do believe. Lord, I come to you in faith, and I believe today you have the power because of the cross and the resurrection to actually forgive me of my sin. I confess my sin to you now. Forgive me, Lord. I trust you for that forgiveness. Help me now to forgive myself, to move on, to not walk in shame another moment, but to give my life fully to the purposes of of God. I will do that now willingly and lovingly. Shape me and mold me to be the person you had in mind when you created me. I accept that by faith in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. In a moment, our prayer team is going to come. And if you've accepted Christ today and prayed that prayer, we have some packets that we would love to put in your hand that has some information how to get started as a believer, and our prayer team will be able to get that in your hand if you talk to them about it. Any other needs that you might have, you just want someone to pray for you, come on up and we'll do that. Um, we're going to receive our regular tithe and offering right now at the end. You guys, thank you in tough economic times for being faithful, for stewarding your tithe and offering, for bringing it to God, putting Him first in all that you do. It's making a difference. Thanks for giving through Timberline. We're in for a treat. Uh, before we pray over the offering, uh, we're going to show you some video footage of the Convoy of Hope Sharing Hope Day, August 25th. Some of you are in this video. 
this was 30 plus churches coming together in our community with agencies that are not faith-based, medical agencies, other communities, social services, who came and partnered for a day where we had about 5,000 people show up and made a difference in our community. Thank you for being a team player in this community. You can, uh, once the plate goes by your row, feel free to stand. We're gonna be singing a song together, but please watch the screen. It's really a lot of fun. Lord, we give today out of joy. We give because of obedience, but we thank you for the work that you're using these funds to do in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's a picture up there of the family portrait area. And one of the things that really touched me is a lot of the families who got that have never once had a family portrait. That's one of the things that goes by the wayside if you don't have the money. And you think of the memories we just created that you helped create for people to look back in their life and say, that was the day that someone helped us have this picture. That's the picture that we are creating daily those moments as we serve, as we offer a cup of water, we create those little moments that go on forever into eternity. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you that you use our hands, our feet, our mind. Our hope is in you as we change the world through your grace and mercy. Thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Prayer team, come on up. Remember, the service starts now. Go make a difference. God bless you.